right, welcome to episode 19 of the Bike Pack Canada podcast with yours truly, Ryan Corey. Uh, my interview today is with David Jones. He is the technical analyst for a business called Roadpost, and they are based in Toronto. Uh, Roadpost uh, distribute a few lines of satellite phones, <clears throat> excuse me, as well as the in-reach uh, satellite tracking devices, which some of you are familiar with. Um, me personally, it's, it's, you know, I've been a customer of the spot trackers for, I think it's been about five years and I've, I've kind of loosely heard about inReach or the Delorme, uh, devices for the last few years, but never really dug into it. And it was only, I think it was only um, a couple weeks ago when I, I put up a random post on our Facebook page saying, uh, that spot was increasing their user fees or their monthly fee. Not very much, like a buck or two, um, but I thought it was a good opportunity to stimulate some discussion on um, what other devices were out there and what people liked or didn't like. And um, I just happened to tag uh, the InReach Canada folk, and uh, they very graciously reached back uh, very quickly and uh, thought, hey, you know, why not use this as an opportunity to chat with one of the folks on their end. Uh, so with that long-winded uh, intro, David, let's let's get into it. So David, tell us about how you came to the, the business and what your background is. Yeah, so for me personally, I started at Roadpost, the you know sort of satellite parent company that operates in Reach Canada. I started when I was 19, so it's about 13 years ago now, believe it or not. <laughs> I started uh, you know, shipping boxes, shipping out orders, uh, setting stuff up. And back then, we actually did rental cell phones because uh, it was before LTE, before 4G, and really 3G was just starting to show up. So you couldn't take your Bell or uh, Telus phones overseas. So that's what we did for many years. Of course, that all changed. And so we switched over to satellite just as Iridium and Global Star and Inmarsat really started showing up. Now, Inmarsat has a longer history, but in terms of sat phones, everyone started showing up in the sort of early to mid-2000s, and now it's really come into its own. So now we have so many options out there. I'm sure um, you know a lot of people listening, they've heard about satellite phones and they kind of imagine like a giant backpack phone and I'm happy to report that we've kind of evolved beyond that so yeah so I've been along for this sort of whole ride and uh it's been really good so it your, your background kind of sounds like my background as far as how I got into sport nutrition it's just kind of the the you know learning learning through practice you didn't necessarily did you go to school for for what you're doing now or is it just uh through coming up through the brand over the years and and uh, you know learning uh, through using the devices really yeah so i did not go to school for any of this um i went for general it stuff you know the usual uh computer networking and all that good stuff but at that time there weren't really a lot of educational courses for people who wanted to get into the satcom universe uh really if you wanted to get into satcom you're basically an rf engineer um and of course not everybody can be an rf engineer you need more people out there so i'm starting to see some courses show up now that are more towards being a satellite technician and whatnot but uh yeah when i came in um I had to learn from the ground up, and uh, thankfully, you know, Iridium and partners like that—they provide a lot of great resources for someone like me to sort of get caught up and get up to speed. And the good news is, if you're comfortable at all with technology, learning about satellite technology is actually pretty straightforward. 
And and you said it's a evolved uh, some since you started. It's no longer the backpack phones. Like, are they more like a traditional cell phone these days? Yeah, the size has come down on satellite phones, but also the ability to use something like the InReach, like the Spot, those are way smaller. And what's nice is both of these devices are also very affordable. Because uh, even satellite phones today, you know, if you have to have voice service while you're in the field, you do have to pay the premium. And a sat phone, we always service and all that, it's going to run you about $2,000, which for some people is not a big deal. But for a lot of us, especially if you're out, you know, two weeks a year, three weeks a year, you don't really want to make that kind of investment. So that's where inReach comes into play. You can do two-way messaging, you, know, you can do tracking, SOS, all of that with a uh, sort of low hardware cost and low subscription cost. Hmm. So I'm, I'm just trying to think here. So when, when I first used a satellite phone, um, it must have been about 10 years ago. I remember the, the reception not being all that great. And, uh, you know, kind of like the old cell phones, you had to go look for, for high ground and, and, and clear line of sight to the sky. Is, does that just have to do with there not being many satellites uh, that are picking up and transmitting signals? Like, has, has the, the quality of, of the, the transmission changed since, you know, over the last decade? <laughs> Yeah, I have this conversation every day, um, you know, probably about 10 times a day. Uh, so the coverage is actually excellent at this point in time. Um, so we primarily work with the Iridium network, which sort of powers the inReach. And right now, the entire planet's covered, you know, 66 satellites cover the entire globe. But the one drawback is unlike cell phones, you don't get the signal penetration. So with a cell phone, you know, if you're sitting in your living room, uh, you still get a signal. Whereas with a sat phone, you have to be outside to get a signal and you can't be near major tree lines, which in Canada is a huge challenge, especially, you know, if you're, you know, you're in BC, you know, out West, uh, there's trees everywhere. So the problem you have is the area is covered, but you have to wait for the satellite to sort of move into position past that tree line. Cause the one weakness with the sat phone is you do have to have line of sight to that satellite or else you just cannot make a call. And that's where the inReach also comes in as a benefit. Cause not only is it lower cost, but you can compose your message anytime, and the device will worry about the connection. So as soon as the device sees a satellite, it'll send it out. So you don't have to worry about micromanaging the connection. Whereas with voice, you do have to sort of you know play that game of okay, I'm waiting. And we normally tell people, ah, you know, if you wait a few minutes, you will get a satellite, and that's true. But a few minutes when you're by yourself in the middle of a forest feels like forever. Yeah, I think that's something we don't realize for those of us that have just been using the, the satellite messengers and, and not the satellite phones is is that these things aren't always uh, connected. Like they like you said, they work when they when they have a connection, but it's it's quite a bit more apparent when you're using the phone and you're trying to get uh, coverage because you either have it or you don't in that moment and you know it uh, right away. Okay, so they 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 operate then off the same satellite networks. Is that right? So if we're talking Spot versus InReach, uh, Spot is operated by the Global Star satellite constellation, and Global Star also owns a Spot brand as well. So they kind of have the whole package. With InReach Canada, 
We work with Garmin out of the United States for distributing the product. So Garmin, who purchased Delorme last year, they make the device, they make the software, and then they use it on the Iridium network. So Iridium acts as the infrastructure, but not as the actual device maker. Uh, so th there is a bit of a difference in satellite architecture. And this is the point where I'm going to remind everybody, I work for InReach Canada. We use Iridium. So there is going to be a little bit of bias here towards the InReach and towards the Iridium network. Both the Iridium network, it is more robust. Um, getting a message out is actually pretty easy. Um, so it's a little bit more robust than the Global Star Network. The Global Star Network, they have had their issues over the years. They have fixed a lot of those issues. But I would still say overall, you know, there is that separation of companies. I would say Iridium at this time is it these is the stronger network. So is is Iridium like so okay, so you said you're kind of riding their their network. So mm -hmm. is is their sole focus just on the satellite technology then? It is, yeah. So Iridium really encourages third-party vendors to go out there and make their own solutions because they're in the business of keeping the satellites in space. <laughs> now, they do they do make the Iridium satellite phone. They do sell that because uh, the market isn't necessarily gigantic for a satellite phone, so they kind of lead the way there. But when it comes to two-way messaging devices, they really let their third-party vendors handle it. So what they do is they sell the uh, 9603 modem. So we take that modem, make a device around that, and uh, yeah, they provide the sort of pipes, if you will, uh, for the service. Okay, so compared to the, the Globestar uh, satellite network, are, does does one have more satellites over the other? Like you, you mentioned that the Globestars had some, had some glitches. Does that have to do with the actual satellites in the air or just that there's fewer? Or do you know what the issue is there? Yeah, it's a bit of a long-winded history. And I'm going to tell you, both companies, they've had a pretty crazy ride to the present day. So both Global Star and Iridium, when they first launched in the late 90s, early 2000s, they ran into financial problems. Um, Iridium didn't have any technical problems. But Global Star had a bunch of technical issues at the beginning. Um, like, I, like I said though before, I do want to stress, you know, Global Star has patched a lot of that stuff up. I, I really, I'm careful when I compare the two networks. I don't want to sort of dump on Global Star, make them sound terrible. Um, but at this point, you know, throughout history, Iridium, I think Iridium just had the better technology network-wise. They have the better technology now in terms of modems. Um, so the Iridium coverage, like I said, 66 satellites. So what that really means is that the entire planet's covered. With Global Star, they have fewer satellites, but not that much fewer. But because of their satellite architecture and the way things are designed, and I'm hoping I'm not getting too into the technical weeds here, but <laughs> their coverage is a little bit more limited, whereas Iridium's is a little bit more robust. Just it comes down to the way the networks were designed. Okay, so if you have um, an in-reach device, though, so th this isn't like a cell phone, hey? So if you if you cross over lines into like a different service provider's territory, you won't all of a sudden start picking up the the globe star service you're you're always on the iridium or you're you're not on the iridium is that right if with the in reach devices that's right so you're always on the iridium network and what i think is really neat is when you get a subscription with the inreach it works everywhere so it works on the oceans it'll work on the north pole if you ever find yourself there it'll work in antarctica and what's cool too is if uh, you know let's say you want to travel through central asia you want to go through africa you know do uh, bike trips through there um you know any kind of uh 
long range trips there, you can get the same service at the same price. So there's no zones, there's no weird fringe coverage areas, uh, there's no roaming on people's networks. You're always on Iridium, and the fees always remain the same. Okay, so the I'm trying to get a sense of like, are satellite phones still devices that people are buying, or have these new uh, satellite trackers kind of emerged as? And specifically yours, because yours has a as a texting feature, you know, has it kind of emerged as the new go-to, or like, are there still more specific applications where satellite phones are desired? Yeah, so this is always a question of the proper fit for the right person, because you know the natural question is, well, you know, if Roadpost is selling satellite phones that cost you know fifteen hundred, two thousand dollars, why bother with a device that's only a few hundred? Are you making more money selling sat phones? And what it really comes down to is finding the proper fit for a casual user, sports user who just needs to use it periodically and doesn't mind the absence of voice service, then something like the inReach would be the way to go for sure. Where satellite phones are still popular is it's popular for people who have to work outside of cell phone coverage for long stretches of time. So if people, for instance, in the mining industry, oil and gas, where they're away from home for a long period of time, and when they're in a newer development, a newer area, they tend not to have cell phone service right away. So at that point, texting your loved ones for a four-month period, it's not great. <laughs> That's where you want voice. But yeah, if you're someone who's just going to go out for a couple weeks or even go out for the weekend, you know, hit some trails and then come home, the inReach is the right fit for that situation. Okay. So for your business on the, the Canadian side, do you have a sense of, um, you know, what what's the, the, the makeup as far as... Um, uh, satellite phone purchases to the the in reach devices as far as um, you know is it is it does it lean more heavily your business uh, revenue lean more heavily towards in reach or, or the satellite oh boy yeah I don't know if I want to get too deep into revenue uh, figures I would say on both sides revenue is pretty high but in terms of volume in reaches where the volume is uh, so that's where we're selling tens of thousands as opposed to satellite phones where that's still measured in the thousands. Uh, okay. Okay. And uh, as far as like your average user, do you have a sense of who are buying these units? Like when they sign up, or, or do you get some sort of data uh, in regards to the activity that they're, they're doing? Yeah, it's really it's all across the board. Um, so in terms of activities, it's you know everything from climbing to skiing, uh, you know to bikepacking, which I've just learned about through your own podcast. Uh, you know all of these different groups are using inReach devices. Uh, you know in terms of age, it's really everybody. We have teenagers who call for assistance in setting things up. We have people in their seventies and eighties going on fishing trips, uh, calling in to say you know I need help or you know, uh, I love the device. So really every walk of life can use the inReach, especially if you're Canadian or you're living in Canada, going outside, leaving cell phone coverage, which is still shockingly easy to do here. <laughs> it's just a part of life. Um, you know, I don't know a single person here, you know, in Ontario who doesn't go, you know, up north once in a while to do something. So really, you know, everybody, every activity, every walk of life, everybody uh, has an opportunity to use something like the inReach. And is you know, I, I'm I'm kind of naive as far as you know what what technology is required for the the, the satellite uh, phones, but is is that not something that could be you know just combined into an all-in-one uh, device with with the inReach? Like, is that something that's it's on the radar, or is it just totally out of the question because of size? Like, where are we at with that? Oh yeah, uh, so right now 
we sell a phone called the Iridium Extreme. So uh, that one, you can actually see it on our site if you go to roadpost.ca. So what that does is it provides voice service, uh, so you can make calls, receive calls. It also do, does two-way messaging as well, just like the inReach, and it can also do tracking as well. So that is available in sat phone form. Uh, so that is an option for people who absolutely have to have voice. So you can get voice without having to sacrifice the tracking and two-way messaging that you get with the inReach. What, off the top of your head, do you know what kind of price we're looking at for that kind of device? Yeah, so for the extreme, by the time you get the hardware subscription, you're looking at about the $2,000 to $2,500 range. So I normally recommend that device for people who have to have voice and who are also traveling on a regular basis. Uh, now, if you do need voice and you don't need to do tracking or anything like that, um, what you could do is rent a satellite phone from us as well. So we rent the Iridium 9555 and the 9505A phones as well. So there are some different options out there. And sometimes, uh, you know, well, not sometimes, but there is a lot of overlap with these different products. So that's why a lot of people, you know, when they buy a product from us, you know, they do call in. We have a staffed call center. We answer the phone really quickly because it can be hard to navigate through these options because there's so much overlap so you start finding those finer points right what uh what i do find in general though is the inreach just kind of covers everybody for the most part gotcha yeah you, you mentioned that there is overlap and you know having been a, a spot customer and when i started digging into uh your site um you know it's clean it's it's well laid out but you know there there, there are some pretty obvious differences and it, mm -hmm. I, I was saying to my wife that I think I'd almost have to do a spreadsheet to figure out my needs and how often I was using it to kind of figure out what what unit to go with. So maybe let's let's focus in on the the in reach side of things. If um, you know, as I understand it, is it there's two devices that you have? Yeah, so it's actually just recently grown to four devices now. <laughs> oh, okay. So I had mentioned a little bit earlier that Garmin had recently acquired Delorme. So Delorme is a mapping company based out of Maine in the United States. They actually created the inReach. So we teamed up with Delorme to make the inReach solution. And then recently Garmin had purchased uh, the inReach, which I think is a good sign of health, right? It shows that this solution has grown to the point where a large multinational company has sort of uh, spotted an opportunity and snapped up Delorme before someone else did. Right. <laughs> so. With the inReach, um, so if we do sort of uh, you know inReach versus Spot, I can kind of take you through a quick rundown of that if you want. Sure. Yeah. 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 So the basic thing, and this is the kind of the one feature, the killer feature here. So with Spot, it's one-way messaging. So you send out your message, and it's out. Uh, with the inReach, it's two-way messaging, and so that's true through all of all four of our models. So no matter which model you get, you're always going to get that two-way messaging. So that takes care of the spot versus inReach comparison kind of right away, uh, right off the top. And then in terms of the differences between the four models that we offer, so we have the inReach SE. So that one has basically become the de facto entry-level model. That one retails, I want to say, for about $399 right now. So that's going to get you two-way messaging. Uh, it's going to get you tracking and then the SOS service. And then we have the InReach Explorer, and what that one does is everything the SE can do, but you can also do waypoints and routing. So you can do some very basic routing capabilities, uh, you know, basic waypoints. So if there's a point of interest you want to record on your device or that you want to navigate to, you can do that. And now, 
with Garmin, with the two new devices they've just released. So they've released the InReach SE Plus and the InReach Explorer Plus, just to add to the confusion here. <laughs> so the SE Plus, that is basically Garmin's take on the original InReach Explorer. So it does everything the original InReach Explorer does. So messaging, tracking, SOS, waypoints, routing. And then finally, the InReach Explorer Plus does everything in one device. So one cool thing about the Explorer Plus is that you can actually get topo maps on the device itself. So it's a full-service GPS device and a two-way messenger at the same time. Okay, gotcha. Okay, so the, the big differentiation is that it's the, the two-way two -way messaging, which, you know, not being familiar with the devices, it's not something I even really thought I would need because I didn't even know it existed. And uh, but now when I think about the times where I, you know, came close to pressing my SOS button on the spot device, it seems so obvious that you'd want to have a feature to tell the emergency people, you know, what to expect, um, mm -hmm. you know, whereas, you know, with the spot, you, you, you can you list some emergency emergency uh, details as far as contacts and uh, you know if there's anything to be aware of like you're allergic to bees and I, you know I th that, that's kind of a starter point but I can imagine like these people hiking up some mountain to try to find you just having no clue what they're going to expect and you know it could be something you know rather minor it could be something rather serious and um, you know just having that ability to text back and forth seems like a huge time um, time saver seems like a big saver for, uh, you know, peace of mind for your, for your family. Um, like if I press the SOS device and all I have is a, a broken leg, you know, all my wife might know is, 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 is that I could be on my deathbed. Right. And she might not know, uh, any different for, for, for a couple of days. So, um, yeah, it's, that was, that was the thing that caught, caught my attention. So I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah, two-way is massive, um, you know, like you said, for that SOS uh, scenario. Because what is cool is when you declare an SOS, uh, assuming you're conscious, and hopefully you are, <laughs> uh, the emergency services center, they actually will text you. And they'll ask you, you know, what's going on? Is everything okay? Because you might be in a situation where you're using your device in a group of a few people, and you have your device registered under your name with your medical conditions, your history, but you may not have that for the person that's with you. So we've had customers where they'll be traveling and one of their teammates, you know, one of their partners that are on their, uh, that are in their group, whether, you know, be a competition or whatnot, you know, maybe they've broken a leg or suffered a cardiac incident or have had an allergic reaction. You can actually type that in and send it as a message back. So you can let them know that, hey, you know, I'm okay, but the person I'm with is not. Here's what's going on. You know, if they're having a reaction or, you know, they're diabetic or, you know, they have additional needs that you can actually communicate in real time back to the search and rescue uh, group. Gotcha. So the and, the and behind the scenes, as as I understand it, it's the same uh, same business that the handles the SOS side. It's the the Geos um, mm -hmm. business. Is that right? 
That's right. So when you declare an SOS, it goes to GEOS. Uh, they're located in Texas. They also have some other centers around the world. And what they do is they provide the connection between the user and the SAR group that is going to come and get you. Uh, so for instance, if you're in you know, BC or Alberta or Ontario, there's a lot of volunteer associations that will come and get you, right? So whether it be air rescue um, you know, or even hiking to your location. So if you have a for instance, like a high ankle sprain, normally that's not a giant emergency, but when you're the only person for 200 kilometers, now it's kind of an emergency. So they're not going to send a helicopter for that, but they will send a team to come and get you, drive you out, you know, take you out. Um, so what uh, GIOS does is they coordinate with them. So GIOS will monitor the event, they'll find the appropriate group to come and get you, and then they stay with the incident until they get closure. So for instance, if you have a really bad leg injury, they will actually follow up with the hospital that you're at to make sure you're there, make sure you're safe, and then they'll close off the incident. So it's almost like an enhanced 911. You have this pair of eyes in the sky kind of watching everything happen and also maintaining accountability for everything as well. Right. And, and I'm assuming that uh, their sign up or, or membership is probably the same as uh, what you go through with um, uh, Spot. Um, I can't remember if it's a monthly or, or yearly, but, um, you know, it's, it's a couple bucks every month. It's not nothing too substantial, but it's 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 extremely beneficial peace of mind uh, for sure. So I've, I've written down some bullet points. You, you definitely uh, covered a bunch of them, but um, let's maybe go through one by one as far as the, the comparisons uh, to the spot devices. Um, oh, sure, sure thing. Yeah, and if I trail off, sometimes I get on a long uh, winded tech rant. So <laughs> no, no, feel no, free no, to cut me off at any time. <laughs> no, no, I, I think for this discussion, actually, uh, more more is better because I think the average user um, you know, bike backer that's had a device has probably had it for a little while. Um, and I think, you know, having a bit more information above and beyond what they might just see on the, the cover page of a website is this is a good thing, especially, you know, for someone like me, that's definitely tempted by, you know, what I'm seeing on, on the paper side of it. But I, I, I think, you know, I want to hear directly from you uh, to hopefully uh, persuade me a bit more. So more is better. Don't worry about it. Um Okay, so the the unit purchase price, because so that that is one standout um, point right there. So the spot devices are are, are quite a bit cheaper. Um, so it sounds like they're about half the cost of your your cheapest or less expensive unit. Um, I can't remember what you called it. Um, so there there there's definitely less of a barrier to entry just on price, but you know that doesn't take into account. Um, all of the features. So remind me again, what are the, the prices of the, the four units that you have? Yeah, so it starts at three ninety nine uh, for the InReach SE, and then it goes as high as five ninety nine for the Explorer Plus. So when it comes to pricing, I'm never you know ashamed to say like, oh yeah, the Spot. When it comes to price, they win absolutely. So we don't really compete on price; we compete on on the value proposition, right? Especially on that two way messaging, because uh, once you experience that, then we got gotcha. you. You're converted. <laughs> yeah. So there's there's that, and then the other feature that jumped out at me was the the mapping feature. So uh, when you take into account that you now have a Garmin associated device, you, I'm assuming, you know, and this isn't me never having operated one, I'm assuming you could probably cut out um, 
the GPS device that you have on your bike also. Like, so now you've incorporated it into all in one. So, um, you know, something to consider. So a lot of us use the, the Garmin, uh, E-Trex units. Are you familiar with those? I am. Yeah. Okay, so I, I think it's the 20 or 30. I can never remember which one it is, but it's kind of become like the gold standard uh, for a lot of us. It's it's not an overly expensive uh, GPS device. Um, I'm assuming that the, the, the units you have in reach uh, can probably do what the, that unit does and more by the sounds of it. Exactly, yeah. The E-Trex uh, units, they're cool. I mean, they're great GPS devices, and they still are. Um, where the in-reach comes into play and where something like the InReach Explorer Plus comes into play is for someone who's looking to combine all those features. So it's one less battery to worry about, one less device to worry about. Now, with that said, if someone really loves their current Garmin device, they absolutely do not want to change their GPS situation. That's where the InReach SE comes into play because the SE at the $399 price point gives you the two-way messaging, uh, gives you tracking. And when I say tracking, that's your breadcrumbs going back to our web application for people to see, and then SOS. So you're getting your communication. So at that point, you're focusing on more of the communication options with the inReach. So we try to provide that flexibility of, you know, instead of making people go into one solution, one device, uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with saying, I like what I currently have. I just want that extra two-way capability. Yeah, cool. So the the back, on the tracking side of things, do you know, um, so if we're uploading tracks, like can you upload tracks to the, the devices or is it simply mapping in real time what you're doing and if you need to backtrack? Yeah, so uh, you can do a bunch of things. Uh, so if you have current routes that are already established, I know there's a zillion sites out there where you can plan a ride and then download the KML or GPX format. So you can do that and you can import that to the inReach device. So what you do is you upload that to your account online. And then if you have something like the Explorer Plus, you could navigate right on your device. Um, or if you have the original Explorer, you could pair it to your smartphone, navigate that way as well. So you can definitely bring in your data and then you can also export as well. And when it comes to exporting, there's a ton of different options. The most popular ones is the export in KML, which allows you to put your tracks on Google Earth, Google Maps, that sort of stuff. And there's GPX, which pretty much works with every kind of mapping service out there. So those are the two popular ways. There's also a little less known, uh, what we call KML loader feature. So this is, once again, starting to get a little bit out there into the technical weeds. I'll just kind of plant that seed in people's mind that you can have a service where through our website, if you're using a third-party app that can take in a KML feed, they'll actually receive your data and get it updated on a regular schedule so you don't have to think about exporting your data after the fact. So it's really important, especially if you're in a race or anything where people want to follow you. Hmm, interesting. The So for the upload feature, do you know if um, what the limit or the capacity for the amount of waypoints that you could uh, upload? I, I'm thinking back to the E-Tracks. I believe they're limited to what is it like 10,000 points? Like if you upload a trail, I, I can't remember what it is, but do you know what it is for the, the inReach devices? Yeah. So that's where it can get a little bit complicated. It's, it's elastic because it really depends on uh, how much routes you're also uploading and stuff like that. But typically speaking, you could get, you know, somewhere in the, you know, 10,000 region if you were doing just waypoints. So it'd be somewhere in that region as well. Okay. And um, is is that a memory that can be expanded on? Like, is there a card that you can include or is it just what's built in is built in? 
Exactly. Right now, it's just built-in memory. Uh, there are no SD card options at the moment, and I'm not sure if there are any plans in the future, because I know Garmin just released their two new devices now. So for now, you are uh, using just the onboard memory. And this is where the sort of discussion of bringing your own GPS versus using the Explorer Plus comes into play, right? Because uh, we, we will always tell people, if you're comfortable with what you've got GPS-wise, if that's working, stick to the SE. Uh, but if you're someone who doesn't really use a ton of GPS features, you're kind of curious, that's where the inReach can really uh, sort of come into play. Okay. Now, with with all these uh, you know fancy doodads that the inReach device has, I, I'm assuming that um, affects the battery life. I, I can't remember the exact amount of hours, but you know, I know when when I've done some of my longer bike packing uh, tours and races, you know, like three plus weeks. That um, I know the latest generation three on um, four um, lithium batteries, I, I think, can pretty well do the whole thing without um, even changing it once. I, I get the feeling that that might not be the case for the inReach. Is that so? Yeah, so the inReach, the general guidance we kind of give across the board is that you'll get 100 hours of battery life if you're doing tracking every 10 minutes. If you're not doing tracking every 10 minutes, uh, let's say you're only using it for messaging or only using it for SOS, you can normally start to stretch it out to about 125 hours. Now, with that said, one thing I've learned over the years is a lot of people don't understand that there are a lot of battery pack accessories out there that are USB based. So you can get like a 10,000 milliamp hour, 20,000 milliamp hour little power brick that you take with you. And since the inReach charges over USB, you could actually recharge your unit several times. So if you had something, let's say like a 10,000 milliamp hour pack, which you can buy at this point, like a good one for about 20 or 30 bucks from just about any retail store. Yeah, that'll recharge your inReach about five more times. So if you buy a small accessory like that, you can really extend the life and you're also not fiddling with batteries. Gotcha. And I know um, with with the USB powered devices, I'm not sure if you're, you're too familiar with um, Dynamo powered chargers, but a lot of the bikepacking community has gotten into these hubs that uh, can generate power, you know, whether it be for a front light or for their USB electronics. So I, I imagine that there could be some trickle uh, power, you know, going right into the unit at, at all times. So that that would be an option too, I would imagine. Absolutely. Yeah. As long as it's a power source that has USB out, it'll definitely charge the inReach. Okay, good, good. Um, okay, so battery life is is maybe not, you know, that doesn't play so much into this, you know, in, into weighing our options here. But it's, it's good to know nonetheless, you know, especially for people that are just used to um, powering their gadgets with traditional batteries and haven't quite made the the jump to rechargeable say more powerful uh, units but just just know that just because you can't put in a battery doesn't mean that there there aren't some options around it oh absolutely and i i, I found over the past few years i've become kind of a impromptu salesman for the battery pack industry because for whatever reason these devices are everywhere i see them at best buy for like 20 bucks walmart for 20 bucks sometimes even less but i think it's just a thing where 
because it's sort of put on these small displays that are kind of shoved off to a corner, people aren't necessarily aware of the solution and they don't put the pieces together. Uh, so yeah, a lot of people get stuck where they'll, they'll call us and they'll say, the first thing they'll say is how come it doesn't take batteries? What's wrong with you? <laughs> so I have to go, okay, hold on, hold on, wait a minute. <laughs> so I have to sort of explain and sell them on that solution as well. Once they figure it out, they go, Oh my God, that's amazing. So you can mean I can also charge this and this and this and go, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> Um, so let, let's talk about the the tracking interval. You you briefly mentioned it that if um, and I wasn't quite sure what you meant when you said it, but you you said that um, you mentioned a ten minute interval um, for, for tracking. So when you when you say a ten minute interval, like what what do you mean? Like you're you're only letting the gadget update itself every ten minutes to show your position. Is that what that means? Yeah, so tracking is a topic that comes up all the time, especially for, you know, for the community that you're a part of. Tracking is huge. Uh, so tracking takes several different forms with the inReach. So at its base, when I say 10-minute tracking, what that means is on a 10-minute interval, you're sending your position to our web application. So that way your position report at that 10 minute mark is recorded online. So people who are following you can see that you of course can see that after your trip. So that's one option. Uh, so that's for tracking over the air basically. Now what you can also do, and this is true with the inReach Explorer and the inReach Explorer plus is you can enable a feature called logging and it does tracking in a more traditional GPS sense where instead of broadcasting your position over the air, you're recording it locally to your device. So you could do an interval as you know, as, uh, or, uh, as often as every second if you wanted to. So it gives you an extremely granular look at what trails you're a part of. You can see every twist and turn. And what's really cool is when you come back and you sync your device, so you plug it into your computer, you can sync it with the website, and it'll combine both of those tracking methods. So it'll take the track line that you had from the every 10-minute interval and your logging to create one complete, very, very accurate uh, trail of where you've been. Okay, gotcha. So a lot of the bikepacking events, um, they, you know, there's one site in particular called uh, trackleaders.com, um, and what they do is they gather everyone's uh, individual feeds for their spot devices mainly. And I believe they can handle the in-reach devices. So they get all the individual tracking pages and then somehow they, they get everyone's position onto to one map. Um, so when we're talking about the tracking interval, 10 minutes, basically every 10 minutes, that's when you'd see that, uh, you know, little blinky dot uh, move a, a set interval. But so there's there's that piece of the tracking. But when you're... So if I'm looking down at the device and I have, I'm looking at my um, uh, GPS waypoint file that I've I've uploaded, when I'm looking at you know my position on that map, does that mean that it's only going to update itself on that map every ten minutes, or is is that something entirely different? Uh, that's right. So while you're out in the field biking, doing whatever you're doing, uh, that every 10 minutes is when the website gets updated. Uh, now, locally on your device, you can see your own position and that updates in real time. So you can actually see on the device as you're walking, it'll show your ground speed, your elevation, your course, all that good stuff. So handheld locally, it's all in real time. Going back to the website, it's every 10 minutes. 
And now with that said, I'm going to throw another curveball at you. <laughs> so if you do need to track more than every 10 minutes, and this is normally true for pilots, right? Because 10 minutes in the air is a long time. Uh, so we do offer what we call pro plans, and that will allow you to track as low as every 30 seconds. So if you did need something that's over the air and more frequent, we do offer that ability as well. So the the lag time, so when you were saying um the localized viewing that it's it's updated real time. So the the lag time for the average user, say that that ten minute interval, is 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 it is it mainly just the time that it takes to you know get to the website and upload and and do all that? Is 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 that where that I guess lag, as brief as it might be, comes from? Yeah. So the reason why we have that every 10 minutes is sort of the default is we find for most people it's fast enough. And also because we're transmitting over satellite, there is a cost. It's a very minimal cost, but there is a cost to doing that. So that's why sort of 10 minutes is the lowest for a standard consumer plan. Uh, so like I said, if you do need something more frequent, we do have the professional plans, but it's more of a question of cost than of uh, technical ability. Hmm. I, I was just thinking if, if I was, uh, on the customer service side of uh, your business and someone called saying that the the device wasn't updating as as fast as they'd like i i'd have this like youtube clip ready to go i can't remember if it was uh, bill burr um who it was but it was someone i think they were on conan they were talking about modern technology and you know how people need to chill out because you know like it literally has to go to space and back and how that's like an amazing advancement in in and just the human race and, and how impatient they are in acknowledging that. Yeah, it was that uh, Louis C.K. bit on Conan or everything's amazing and no one's happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good one. That's a good one. Um, okay, so yeah, it's I, I was going more for like what is the difference between your localized viewing because, you know, obviously if you're, you're a pilot, you, you need, mm-hmm. uh, you know, faster updates. But, you know, even for... Uh, someone on a bike you know you could easily blow past the turn within 10 minutes so it's okay so it's it's good to know that it it updates quicker on the unit in real time when you're looking at it absolutely yeah so on the unit itself it's in real time you can see your speed going up and down so it's very quick um if you're using just the inreach se um, or the original InReach Explorer, it'll give you that information as well. If you use the Explorer Plus, you can see that information on the device on a topo map as well. So if you want to see you know, elevation that's coming up ahead, or you want to see rivers or anything like that, you'll be able to see that as well. Okay, so are those all maps that you download in advance from Garmin, or where do you get those? Yeah, so the maps are provided by Garmin. They're provided free of charge as well. So we use the Delorme Topo maps. Uh, we use uh, OpenStreetMap as well. So that's also an option. That's more for you know urban, suburban areas. So we offer those maps. And for the InReach Explorer Plus, it's preloaded. For the other devices, you pair it with your smartphone. That's something we haven't touched on too much because we don't get too complicated here. But for all the other devices, you can actually pair it with your phone over Bluetooth, download a free app called Earthmate, and that's how you get your topo map. So the maps are completely free, and it's you know just a part of your subscription. Okay, gotcha. Um, let's see here. Looking through my notes. So the the, the texting feature um, is it is it a touch screen? Or like, or is it like a, a keypad or, you know, like an up down arrow where you manually have to select out each letter? You know, how does how does that feature work? 
Yeah. So if you want to compose a message on the device directly, there's a little on-screen keyboard that you navigate with the arrow pad. So as you can imagine, it's a bit slow. <laughs> so what we offer are a few different solutions. One is we offer what we call quick texts. So that's where you can create a long list of predetermined text messages. So if you have something, uh, this applies more to people who do a lot of camping and they have supplies dropped off. So if you always need the same thing, you can just select that message, select the recipient, and out it goes. Uh, we also offer three predefined messages. So these are like check-in messages where you can define the message and the recipients. So you can put in, you know, 10, 20 different recipients, even more if you wanted to, and the message, and then they'll all get that standard message with the hit of a button. And then the third option, which is really popular, is using the EarthMate app. So when you pair it with your phone, open the app, you can actually use the virtual keyboard on your phone, so on your iPhone or your Android phone, to send out a message. So for people who really want to text, pairing it to your phone is definitely the way to go. Hmm. Okay. Now, okay, now I'm getting the, the phone connection a bit better. So is... Is there an extra charge? Like, are you going to get dinged for like sending text messages to your in-reach device, or is that just all Bluetooth and it's, you know, totally bypassing the the cell companies and uh, data usage? Exactly. Yeah. So I, I often joke to people that we just use your phone as a really expensive accessory because <laughs> uh, that's all we're using is just the Bluetooth, just for the screen of your phone. So you don't have to worry about any cell phone charges. You can actually use your phone without the SIM card and it'll still work just fine. Okay. Okay. So that that's that's good to know because I think I, I don't know of many riders that aren't carrying smartphones, so it seems like a pretty obvious thing to have those uh, synced up to, to save yourself some time for sure. Um, okay, well, um, I know weight is an issue for some people, but again, it, it doesn't really seem like an apples to apples kind of conversation because you kind of have an all-in-one device, whereas the, the Spot is uh, a more straightforward device. But as I understand it, the weight looks like it's about double the weight of a spot device, which already isn't isn't that heavy. Um, do you remember the the exact weight on that one? Yeah, I know for the newer models, because I've been looking at the specs more often, uh, the newer ones are about 210 grams. I believe the exact number is like 213 grams for the InReach Explorer Plus and InReach SE Plus. The original devices are probably going to be a little shade under that at around 150, 170 grams. And I believe the spot comes in at about 120 grams. So there is a difference but i find it's pretty small i mean unless you're into uh like i know there's some people who are into very extreme sort of minimalist hiking and backpacking and stuff i don't think you're going to run into any major weight issues regardless of the device you get um in terms of volume the in reach is a little bit bigger uh than a spot you know for a size comparison i normally tell people just to hold their smartphone hold your smartphone you're basically holding something that's about the same volume as an in reach device yeah, and, and to some extent, you don't really want it that small, especially if you're if you're using it how I imagine I would use it with um, the the screen to to follow my the, my waypoints. Like I don't want to squint to see what what's going on. So um, some some to some extent, size matters, and, and 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 to some extent, it doesn't. So okay, so it's it's a little bit heavier, but you know you are getting quite a bit more for that. Um, so actually, on that note, you know like. I don't think you guys have some sort of weird patent on, you know, the text and GPS capability. Like, is this not something that, you know, Spot could uh, replicate in the next couple of years? 
Yeah. Um, I believe Spot may or may not be working on something. I know I've heard rumblings for many years of something coming up. Uh, there is a patent out there for two-way communication over satellite. I don't know what that status is or if it even is still a valid patent at this point. I know there was a patent floating out there for that. Um, where the sort of the challenge comes in is scaling the network to handle those messages. So the messages are very small. They're like, you know, 160 bytes. So they're very, very small messages, but you have to manage the backend servers and all that. And then you also have to manage the two-way messaging over SMS, two-way messaging over email. And I believe right now with uh, the inReach service, you know, we've been offering it for, you know, I want to say since about 2010, 2011, and well over about a billion and a half messages have been sent since then. And the number is probably higher because I got that number probably about eight or nine months ago. So a lot of messages get sent. So it's not just a question of satellite capability. It's also a question of the back end. So there's that challenge. Um there's also some challenges you know, on the satellite side with the architecture. One cool thing with Iridium is when you send a message, it goes up to the satellite, hops over to the next satellite, and then goes back down to the ground station in, uh, in Arizona. Whereas with Global Star, they rely on more of a, what they call a bent pipe solution. So the message goes up to the satellite and then goes right back down to a, gra- a ground station. So it can't necessarily do those hops. So facilitating two-way messaging can be a little bit more difficult when you're dealing with capacity issues and all that. But like I said, once again, I'm sure some engineers screaming right now going, no, no, you're wrong. <laughs> but there's, you know, not just, you know, a patent issue, which I don't believe is a, an issue anymore, but it's also just the technical implementation part. Oh, how's that for information you wouldn't necessarily find on the website? It's good. <laughs> it's good. It's interesting. It's uh, I'm I'm just barely keeping up, but it's it's it, yep. you've got me. It's good. Um, <laughs> okay, so we talked about tracking geos. Um, oh, okay. Um, so I want to go to the subscription plan. So you have a couple of different monthly subscriptions. Um, Spot's kind of similar in that regard. I think you only have one option, if I recall. So you have uh, a couple of different tiers. Let me just pull that up here. So you've got a safety, a discover, a trailblazer, and unlimited. Um, so at the lower end, at nineteen ninety-five a month, I think that's kind of on par with the the spot, um, the spot monthly fees. So one question I had when I was looking at these boxes. Um, so each one um, gives you a different amount of texts, gives you a different amount of uh, tracks that you can have, or you know all the way up to the unlimited, which is you know unlimited everything. When you say, or when when the the website says like say for example the Discover monthly package that you get two hundred tracks, what does that what does that mean? Like you get, you know like the the website I can't remember what you call it, but it's gonna account for 200 tracks and then reset itself or like what, what does that mean yeah so what we define as a track and it's a little bit different from traditional uh, the traditional definition of a track for a gps device because normally tracks are measured from start to finish whereas with our tracks when we say 200 tracks 
what that covers are 200 broadcasts back to the web application. So if we go back to the every 10 minute tracking interval, um, or you could do it less frequently, you know, every hour, two hours, there's a bunch of options. But basically, if you're on the every 10 minutes, what would happen is every 10 minutes, your track is sent to our application, and that counts as one track. Now, if you exceed those 200 tracks, we just charge you 10 cents per track after that. So your history will remain on the website. So we don't reset it or anything like that. You're just basically paying an overage fee at that point. Gotcha. Okay. So this is good to know for people that have the device mm-hmm. on all day for, for weeks on end. That, uh, yeah, that, you know, 10 cents isn't a lot, but, you know, it could it could add up for some. Okay. So all have the SOS messages, meaning so you press the button, it goes to uh, uh geos or geos i can't remember how you called it and you know they take care of you so all that all of them have that basic feature um now i know with the spot devices they have the pre-programmed check-in buttons with the you know the okay messages and the help messages when you say that a hundred texts are included, say in the Discover package. Are those included in those texts, or is that something entirely different? Uh, those are included as well. Yeah. So every message you send, we count that as one text message. Now, if you send a message to a group of people, so let's say you send one message to you know ten people, that just counts as one message because we bundle the destination, email address, text message numbers, all that with the message and broadcast that. Once it reaches over the satellite back to our servers, that's when we sort of chunk it into individual messages and start delivering them. So if you send a one text to multiple people, it counts as one message. And uh, yeah, so the plan, for example, if you look at our Discover plan, it includes the first 100 text messages. And then after that, uh, you pay a fee for each message after. Uh, so one thing I do normally recommend to people who are new to this device is I'll normally point them towards a discover plan because it gives you the 100 messages, gives you the 200 tracks. So it lets you sort of play with the service and get your feet wet. And for some people, they find, ah, you know what, I don't need this. I'll just go down to the safety plan and I'll be fine. And others find, oh yeah, I really like this tracking feature. I really like the ability to text. I want to start moving up the plan tiers before I go. Okay, so yeah, uh, looking at the the safety package, so the basic package, to me, how I interpret this is like this is just the person that wants to have more or less an SOS beacon in the backcountry, and if they need to activate it, they go. They don't really care about all the other stuff. Is that right? Absolutely, yeah. So the safety plan would be for someone who wants the SOS button and they want to send the occasional message, you know, maybe a message once a day or something like that, just saying, yeah, I'm okay, everything's fine. Uh, so that's the that option. And then the Discover plan gives you the 100 messages, 200 tracks. And then the way our plans work, so there's the four options. Every plan has the exact same uh, features, so we don't do any feature gating or anything like that. So you have full, you know, uh, access to mapping, full access to tracking, messaging, all that across all plans. The other thing I'd like to mention, too, is you can change your plan at any time. So if you find that the plan you got is just, you know, let's say you went for the unlimited plan and you find it's just too much plan for you, you could just log into the website and bump it down. Uh, if you want, you can also go the other way. If you find the safety plan's not enough or the discover plan's not enough, you can start moving up online. We don't charge any administrative fees or penalties for changing your plan. So I'll normally tell people, start with the discover, experiment for a few days, and then change your plan as needed. Yeah, one thing I really liked actually about the, the, the plans is that 
I heard that you can uh, put your plan on pause or, or suspend it for a pretty minimal cost. And um, I get the sense that you can do that really at any time also. That's right. Yeah. So you can stop your service for two ninety five a month. And what that does is it basically just parks your device in a suspended mode. And when you're ready to reactivate, there's no reactivation fees. So just log into the website, hit reactivate, pick a plan, and you're back up and running in a few minutes. Yeah, because there, there's like months where I don't even use my spot device. Um, so yeah, in theory, I could if I knew that long chunk was coming up, I could just put it on pause and you know save myself, you know at, at least thirty bucks a month. I would imagine that would be probably more in the Trailblazer or unlimited package. So it could be quite the savings. Like it does, it does add up. So it's it's nice that you have that feature because I'm pretty sure. Um, not that I'm aware of anyways, I'm pretty sure that spot does not have that option. Yeah, I'm not, a, I'm not aware of spots plan offerings. I know there were some changes recently, so I'm not a hundred percent up to speed on their plans. Um, but for our plans, yeah, we offer a lot of flexibility. We encourage people to suspend, uh, you know, as soon as you're done, just turn it off and, uh, we'll have some customers will just suspend it and they'll, they'll have a trip come up or they'll feel like, you know, I want to go out for the weekend and they can just go and unsuspend it. When they come back, suspend it again. Cause what we do with our billing is we do what we call proration. So for example, let's say you suspend your service for a month. Um, then, you know, a month and a half in two months go by, you unsuspend. What we do is we prorate whatever is left of that 295 fee as a credit and we charge you a prorated amount for the new plan depending on where you land in the billing cycle so you can really make changes anytime we don't force people to look at the calendar and sort of count down the days until their plan changes over or anything like that you know we understand that the inreach is used you know very much in a casual basis for a lot of people so we don't want to penalize you for just reactivating for a you know long weekend and then shutting it back off again Okay, good to know. Good to know. Um, one piece we didn't touch on yet is the the um, each of these plans um, provides basic uh, forecasts. I'm assuming that's weather forecasts. Um, how do how do those get delivered? Is that a text message? Is that a yeah? How is it delivered? Yeah, so the way it works is it displays on the device and it'll also display on the EarthMate app as well. So it's going to show you, you know, temperature, wind speed, wind direction, um, humidity, a whole bunch of different data points. So it's displayed in a graphical manner both on the device and on the app. So it's not going to be just a dump of text, you know, information that you then have to sort of sit down and interpret. You can look at it at a glance and see what the weather's going to be. Okay, so as I'm interpreting this, it's you either get the basic forecast or you're choosing a text. Is it kind of one or the other um, as far as the usage? So it's split into three different types. Uh, so we have the basic message. So what that gives you is it's still a graphical presentation. So it gives you a temperature, precipitation, wind speed, wind direction, uh, barometric pressure. And what we do is we give you the details for the next three days. And over those three days, they're chunked in six-hour intervals. Now, if you need more information than that, we have what we call the premium forecast, which is the same idea, same data points. It just gives you the first 24 hours chunked in one hour forecasts, and then the next 24 hours and three hour forecasts, or yeah, three hour forecasts, and then the third 24 hours is in six hour chunks. So basically, the premium one is more detail. 
And then the last one is marine. So marine starts including things like wave height, uh, current, visibility details. So things that would be relevant for someone uh, sailing. So it's somewhat similar to uh, a grib file, which sailors would be uh, very familiar with. Okay. Now, as far as the, the innovation on these devices, is it is it still coming from the Delorme side or is it, you know, all kind of coming from Garmin? Like I'm trying to figure out how the two, like does Garmin just run the show now or is it, you know, is Delorme still playing a big part or are they just a name? Like how do, how do each kind of operate in, in growing uh, this business? Like as far as what they bring to the table? Yeah. So last year, uh, Garmin acquired Delorme. So Delorme is now a full sort of department of Garmin. So Garmin has taken over the device development, uh, logistics, all of that stuff. So basically at this point, it's a Garmin product. And so they take care of the worldwide distribution. Where InReach Canada and Roadpost come into play is we provide distribution for all of Canada. So we do distribution, we do support, we do billing. So whenever you call for help, call for service, you're always calling into Toronto to our Canadian call center. Uh, you know, we have a French language option as well. So you're basically getting a full Canadian service experience. So we run with the service side uh, in Canada, and then Garmin takes care of the sort of technology and uh, developing the product. Okay, so with with Garmin having a pretty vast range of, of of tracking products from watches to to bike computers to um, you know the e-trex uh, that we mentioned, um, would it be fairly safe to say that you know somewhere down the lines like a, a more of a traditional cycling model of the inReach device could be in the works? Yeah, man, I'm really curious to see what they do. I have no idea of what's coming down the line uh the new se plus and explorer plus that was garmin's first take on the inreach so that was them sort of putting a foot in the water making some hardware adjustments right sort of evolving it in more of a uh, uh safe step forward instead of making huge change but uh yeah you know having the garmin name the garmin resources behind this product i'm i'm hoping for uh some really interesting solutions you know maybe like you said some custom solutions for cycling or for sailing or things like that so i'm not sure what's going to come down the road um but i'm looking forward to it as well cool david i i appreciate the the chat here it's i i think i've definitely covered uh, all my questions and i put some some time into it so i don't imagine there's too many others floating around and uh you know, with, with these devices, whether it's the spot or the, the in-reach, um, you know, if, if someone were to ask me the, the top, you know, three things outside of a bike and, and packs and food that they would need when they're bike packing, I would say that the, these kind of devices are not only um, wanted, but they are very much uh, a need. It's, it's peace of mind, um, you know, for, for family back at home, for yourself to, to venture more into the into the backcountry, and um you know it's 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 good to have this information we, we covered more than what you would find on the website so hopefully the listeners will see some benefit and um you know i i'm looking forward to hopefully uh you know connecting with your your western rep and seeing if we can get them out of the bike pack summit and um you know seeing if we can continue to to, to build on this conversation yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I'm really happy to be supporting the InReach product because it's something, you know, it's not everybody 
in their everyday job and their everyday nine to five gets to support a product that is so vital, right? I mean, we're basically providing a product that gives you 911 anywhere, right? Gives you two-way messaging anywhere. So it gives you this enormous peace of mind for what is, I think, to be a pretty low cost overall, considering one of these devices, you know, you could easily have for five or 10 years without any problems. So, Excellent. Well, thank you very much for your time, David. And uh, we'll leave it there. Um, This has been episode 19 of the Bike Pack Canada podcast. Cheers.